from CHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Are you worried about what, if anything, is going to happen two months from today? If you feel that you are being visited or even abducted by aliens, who are you going to call? What's really going on with party tricks like spoon bending and paranormal weight loss? Uh, I'm bending the spoons, actually. I, I know. They're all, they're all bent in the drawer. Yep. I know it's you. I bent all the spoons yeah. in the world. In the, in the world. Yep. That's what's going on with that. Jeez. All right, so hello there. Welcome to the 390th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those intriguing questions and that intriguing answer from me came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So it's an open line show this evening, and we have plenty of interesting emails. Also, feel free to call in, and the number for tonight is 248-545-7685. Again, that's 248-545-7685. So let's get right into it. Okay, this is from Libby in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. So Libby writes to us, A very good show with Frank Fischino uh, about the uh, the Broxton County monster. I never heard that story of the reptilian in the other location. I have two questions. One, Frank said that the reptilian was riding in the same kind of transport uh, uh, machine uh, Mrs. May and the kids say at uh, say they saw at uh, Flatwoods. Only the top half was off, and the people in the car could see the reptilian inside. Uh, as you have pointed out on your show, the kind of contact with aliens uh, without protection means that diseases could be exchanged uh, where there is no immunity, like the English and the Indians in America. So, wouldn't the aliens be aware of this? And uh, not take the top off this ve- off of his or her or its vehicle. You're very observant, Libby. I think that's a very good question, huh, Ben? Uh, you know, now, now, first of it deserves a little background for those who didn't hear that show. But very briefly, uh, the Flatwoods Monster case was really nothing of the kind, according to our good friend Frank Vicino, who's probably the, the uh, top researcher on that subject. Spent uh, many, many, many years on that. What if they don't have germs? In, well, that's another. Uh, Okay, look, uh, let, let's, it's a good question, but let's bring deal, that up. Deal with one thing. Okay, <laughs> one thing at a time. September 12th, 1952, if I'm not mistaken, some boys were playing in the schoolyard of a school, of course, in uh, this area of West Virginia in Braxton County, I believe. Uh, they were, uh, it wasn't Sutton, it was, uh, well, one of the other villages anyway, Flatwoods, village of Flatwoods. And they saw a, an apparent UFO. Some say it was a meteor a go over. And uh, this one, however, circled the hill apparently partially and then landed. And they ran to see it. Uh, one of the houses on their way was the May household, which was at the bottom of a hill. The children ran in all excited. Mrs. May decided to go with them, and up they went. They were various ages, ranging up to the age of uh, 17 or 18. This, uh, Mr. Lemon was, I believe, 17. Up they went, and they crossed a few gates into a an area of a farm that was really quite wooded, and they saw, they said they saw later a, a vehicle in the valley, some kind of, of a flying saucer, if you will, 
And then from behind an oak tree came this really bizarre 10 or 12 foot figure that had uh, thing that might have been antennae or they might have been arms. Or there's a lot of controversy, especially Frank is very critical of the artwork that resulted from some of this later on. And that was looking like somebody's aunt with a dress and everything coming from behind the tree, only 12 feet high. But in fact, Frank's belief, and it does make sense to us, is that this was a vehicle of some kind and with something inside it. It responded to the flashing of a, of a flashlight upon it, and it, uh, of course, sent the uh, uh, May family and their friends scurrying down the hill in terror. And this was only one of several incidents that occurred in reference to this. So, so, th- so that's what the, the May family reference is in Libby's, uh, Libby's note. Libby also refers to a an incident that took place. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it was it the next night? Uh, I don't remember what he said. A, I, I think in I think a, I might have been out of the room at that point. Okay, well, in a nearby town, there was a family uh, consisting of a, a, a couple and their, their baby in a car, and the car all of a sudden stopped, and there was this strange light in the woods, and, and all of a sudden this the same sort of figure only with the, the top seemingly removed from this vehicle the same one the maze had seen if it was a vehicle frank seems to believe that it was and inside you could see the the i guess the i guess what you probably would say was an alien or most people would say was an alien of the reptilian variety something that comes up all the time in conspiracy theories and ufo tales today and all this sort of thing and the question, of course, Libby is getting at, well, why would this thing be jauntily riding around in this vehicle, uh, kind of investigating the humans in the car, when it was exposed to the air of our planet and the microbes that are in the air? Now, now of course, we, through billions, uh, through a billion, millions of years, have developed... Uh, immunities to the various microbes and things that ordinarily would cause diseases and we have developed an immunity among our species to most of these things the reference to the english and the indians it wasn't just the english the french and everybody else spanish well, of course the they didn't have different physiologies either which begs the question is that's very true too how do we know that their physiology is similar enough to ours that they are affected by this I well mean, we don't know but it, it exactly. is a point it's a very good point yeah. so frankly i never thought of that so yeah, I mean, they're not of our our uh, speciolo- speciological persuasion, if that's the right word. <laughs> yeah. So if they don't have the, a similar body structure, I mean, we don't give diseases to fish. <laughs> no, not usually. Well, one of the questions that arises, just a historical aside here, one of the questions I've always wondered, the Europeans that come, came over to to America interacted with the natives, positively or negatively, depending on the situation, and... There was a terrible. As a matter of fact, when when the the, the so called when the pilgrims so called got here, in our neck of the woods, Massachusetts, there were eight of our own ancestors on that ship, the Mayflower. There were, were already they, they found a decimated native population, because English fishermen and I should say European fishermen in general had been frequenting New England for a long time. And as a matter of fact, they already had a, a sort of a, a small trading post in Maine. Uh, where the, they would uh, stop to refresh themselves and then trade with the natives a little bit and everything. So it wasn't as if the pilgrims were the first ones to arrive in New England. But they had apparently transmitted diseases, this is the theory anyway, to the natives and they, were, they decimated the native population because they, they were microbes in Europe that were not present in America and the natives had never developed any immunity to them. 
Remember, when we were in England a few weeks ago, it was really interesting to find out that they haven't, according to, to uh, our cousin anyway, they had no rabies. And uh, she was showing us the village church, and it was full of bats, uh, which she characterized as uh, incontinent. Yes. And uh, they couldn't get rid of them because they're protected. So they have to put up with the bats. And, uh, but the bats don't carry rabies because there is no rabies. They also have no, it's, uh, it's my kind of country. Uh, no ticks, no mosquitoes, no snakes. very few snakes. There are a few, but, um, you know, uh, very, very gentle. Nature is very gentle there compared with here. But in any case, what we're just saying is these microbes can create serious problems if you have no immunity to them. And the, Libby's question, which is a very good one, is uh, how come this, this alien, if that's what it was, had no top on his thing to protect himself from this? And Ben pointed out very very wisely well, the that question was would it uh would it the alien be aware of this and not take the top off of his vehicle well maybe the alien had taken steps you meant that now now years ago when you travel overseas you had to get shots yeah and, and in order to protect you from known diseases when i was in the coast guard we we went we had we had to go to haiti in the line of duty and we had to get we had to take malaria pills because the mosquitoes carried malaria yeah, and um, that sort of thing. So perhaps the the native, the whatever this was took steps. So I suppose that's really the best answer. Great, uh, people see grays running around all the time, and it's like that's true. Yeah, maybe yeah. they have some sort of technology that or whatever. I don't know. There's a lot of speculation here. We don't really know. Well, there is the thing that strikes me about grays, though, is is that they seem able to control the multiverse in a sense that they can kind of come and go and they seem to be aware of the boundaries and they may not be entirely in our world with its microbes and we might not be entirely in theirs. On the other hand, you point out, as I say, something I never thought of that maybe the alien metabolism just is not affected by human microbes. But then again, there are other microbes, but maybe they're not affected by that either. It's a question that is uh, ripe for speculation, I think. Uh, NASA is aware of it. When the astronauts came back from the moon, Apollo 11, the first, actually, it was, it was the first two or three times, they, uh, the moon was supposed to be lifeless, but they said, you, you never know, really. So they put them in the Lunar Receiving Laboratory, as it was called, and they had to stay in there for several days to make sure that they hadn't picked up any illnesses or that there was anything weird about anything they brought back, and the rocks had to go with them all the rocks they brought back. So there is an awareness of this, but it does not seem to come through in most science fiction works. So in any case, uh, we... What are we looking at here? Okay. We have, yeah, we got a couple of those. So uh, any more thoughts on that, Ben? I think you brought up a couple of good points. Uh, well, well, my answer is we don't know. Well, I said, well, another thing that comes up with this case, and I pointed this out to Frank, was that this seems like an awfully terrestrial... Vehicle. There's a, there's a second question, by the way. Oh, there is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sorry. So it's not okay. Hang in there, Libby. Yeah. We'll get it. All right. Uh, people have seen so many different kinds of aliens in craft and uh, craft over the years. Uh, how come there are not more sightings of craft in reptilians like this one? Thank you. Well, that's almost what I was starting to answer. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. Uh, well, no, I, I wasn't aware. Anyway, yeah, the, well, that that's a question that really uh, is is a good one as well. I have always been struck, as have many people, by the variety of UFOs and supposedly alien craft, probably alien craft and, and beings are, are seen. Although the theme 
seems to be, since the 1940s at least, the little men with the olive-shaped eyes and all this business, um, the greys that we know about. And if you look back through history, the descriptions of very often the elves and things seem to correspond with that as well. So you have a certain consistency there. On the other hand, there is uh, very little that I've seen uh, evidence of stories with these reptilians or with any kind of craft such as as, as the one seen at Flatwoods. And I, uh, I asked Frank that, and he sort of agreed that this is kind of an unusual case. But the multiverse being what it is, uh, we don't know anything can come and go from from any place, and all, there's infinite variety out there, and I think that's probably the best explanation. So anyway, we are coming up on a break. You were listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on New Sky Radio of the Columbia Broadcasting System, and we will be right back. Stay with us. Thursday is a power-packed day here on the sky. Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1 p.m., it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4 p.m., Colette Baron-Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron-Reed Show. The Colette Baron-Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo-woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette Baron-Reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose. Powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller, and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic, and to create a reality that is spiritual, deliberate, and meaningful. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. New Sky Radio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons, no boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com. I thought I saw a man brought to life. He was warm, he came around, like he was dignified. He showed me what it was to cry. Well, you couldn't be that man I adore. You don't seem to know, seem to care what your heart is for. Well, I don't know him anymore. There's nothing where he used to lie. The conversation has run dry. That's what's going on. Nothing's fine, I'm torn. I'm all out of faith. This is how I feel. Something 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And welcome back to our open line show. Two months to the day before December 21st, 2012. And we are reading emails right now. And our next one is from Fred in Maybrook, New York. All right, so Fred writes to us. Hi, Paul and Ben. Great show. I've been listening to your explanations about the multiverse, and I think it makes sense, uh, or makes more sense, than any other explanation I have ever heard for the paranormal. But when it comes to ghosts, doesn't your argument argument come full circle? Since everything that can be conceived of is real, somewhere in the multiverse, isn't there somewhere where ghosts really are spirits of dead people? I've, I've said that. And even if that isn't, uh, in our universe, couldn't that universe uh, cross into ours now and then? Well, that's an extremely good point and a very good question, Fred. Uh, as uh, well, Ben has said that, and so have I. Really, I perhaps in our emphasis on the multiverse and the extreme likelihood that what you're seeing is actually just the, the whole person in another time or situation or place. I'm not saying it's not real. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but I, I, th- I think that what you describe is certainly possible because everything is possible. But I think it's extremely rare, in my experience. I, I'm, I don't know about Ben, but it's, I, I just have not really found any experience that I've had in that area of the paranormal that did not turn out to be what I sincerely believed was a multiversal interaction in the sense of and even what you described would be a multiversal interaction but interaction but what i'm saying is the, the actual people in their own situations aware of you or not communicating or not uh in a, in a in a way that in my opinion was perfectly physical from you know crossing over in another physical world well again in our our um experience pretty much defines our point i mean what we've experienced may not be what you're experiencing. Well, no, other, that, you're right. Other, other people go in and they'll say, well, you know, the, they, the person, well, I'm, you know, I, I died and I'm lost and all this. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're spirits. And my problem with spirits in this, in our realm, is that I don't think the, the, the laws of phys- physics would permit, permit it. I don't think that a person is a whole human being with all their memories, all their imagination, all their feelings without their bodies. The body is not just some kind of a cloak you're wearing around your soul. That, that, that's the worst kind of dualism from the worst kind of Greek philosophy, in my opinion. And the West is, is infested with that kind of thought. I think far more likely, as we've said a million times, you're looking at the whole person, you're communicating with someone, body and all, in another state, in another universe, etc. However, other universes, as you imply, Fred, can might have and probably do, according to physicists who believe it this way, have entirely different laws of physics. In that case, maybe you could have uh, a person who maybe was never had a body at all, or, or just the body is an entirely different kind of matter, or it doesn't even, or it's all just energy and all this, which it really is, but in, in, not in the form that we know it here. So, anything is possible. Anything and everything is real somewhere, somewhere in the multiverse. So I think you have a very good point here. And we do agree with that, Fred, uh, without uh, argument. But I do think it is, uh, the experience of it here and now is uh, is rare, I would say. And, uh, you know, certainly keep in touch with any cases you might know. 
Um, so anyway, but, but that does seem to be the way people interpret it. Anyhow, so maybe we're voices crying in the wilderness. Here's one on 2012 from Marty in Olympia, Washington. Oh, Olympia. So Marty writes, Hi, Paul and Ben. Love the show. And I'm always interested in what you have to say about 2012 and the Mayan prophecies. I know you don't commit to one opinion or the other, uh, but as we approach the end of the year, uh, do you notice anything strange or are things normal? Well, things are definitely not normal. Well, strange is normal. Yeah. I suppose. I suppose. But, Ben, why don't you start with that one? I mean, are you noticing uh, – I don't know. We, we were we talked with Dierlon, who we speak with frequently. Well, there's a lot of things that just seem weird. I mean, this whole presidential election that's coming up and how odd it just – how odd it seems. You have – Things going on in, in like the business world that just don't seem to make sense. You have things going on all over the world that just don't seem to make sense on a practical level, but on a spiritual level, it just seems like everything's really tense, and everyone just seems really tense, and nobody really knows why. Well, I've speculated about that. I agree with you, and, and Dierlan thinks, and I agree with him, that time seems to be speeding up, at least for... Everybody I've spoken with, you used to say, well, the older you get, the faster time goes. But I don't know if that's really true. That's never been the case with me. But it does seem that people of all ages are mentioning to me that time does seem to be speeding up, whatever that may mean. The time, as we uh, often think about, it doesn't really exist. But uh, our consciousness of uh, the uh, passing of our lives or however you want to put it does seem to be speeding up. So so I just, I just don't know. Things um, do seem to be very tense. But there could be other explanations for that, Marty, uh, other than the electromagnetic bizarre in the neighborhood and the coming of some sort of prophecy or fulfillment or whatever. A, uh, there's there's disagreement about whether this, if anything, really does happen, whether it's going to be good or bad, uh, even the meaning of what's good or bad. Uh, the end of the world, what does that mean? Um, the whole place is going to go poof? I don't think so. Uh, Dierlan points out that the Mayans actually imply strongly that the world as we know it will change or come to an end in, in that sense, and then a new one sort of begin or a new consciousness and all this sort of thing. But what does that mean? Does it mean you're going to, you know, everybody will start loving each other and the socialist workers' paradise will begin, or, or, or does it mean something? I, I, everybody has, it's like thinking about God. Everybody has their own ideas. And everybody has their own experience, so so who knows? Uh, I, I don't really see anything happening that is indicating one way or the other. Uh, we are planning to have a show on the tw- December twenty first is the day this is supposed to occur, you know, supposedly. But we're planning to have a show on the twenty second, which is going to uh, be a Sunday. It'll be here on, on CBS, and we're, we're going to be having Dear Lon, who agrees with the Mayan prophecy or believes he understands it, and uh, Dr. Chris Keating, who has been, has debated him on this show about this, who doesn't believe anything's going to happen. So we'll have a, perhaps a post-mortem uh, on that show, and we'll see what, what happens. Uh, we're also thinking about having a, and I have to discuss this with the participants to nail it down, probably in February or March, a post-2012 futurist kind of on-air conference. I don't know if it'll be on this show or on a uh, one that is more widely distributed. I don't know yet, but we'll see. Including Linda Moulton Howe and a few of our favorite guests and some people you have not met on the show uh, who have some interesting thoughts on these subjects. And to see where we are going over the next few years, now that we're the hoopla of 2012 will have been behind us, if it really was hoopla. So, this is a long answer to a short question, Marty. 
we don't have any idea. Um, things are tense and kind of strange, but maybe that's because, as I sometimes mention, Ben, we are overloaded with information. We every time we turn around, we're being informed, and we can't. I know, what, what do you believe, and what don't you believe? I know politically, I don't know what to believe. Uh, you, 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 both sides in, in this this conflict seem to be full of well, not full of blow. I don't. I think I don't know. It, it's difficult to know exactly who's telling the truth when. Uh, I do have my opinions on the subject. Uh, you know who's better, but but that that's that's ridiculous. That, that's not that's not that's right. That's we we don't get into that here. But in any case. Um, it is difficult to to sort of be involved. And as a matter of fact, spiritually, and Ben and I discuss this all the time, we wonder if it is not best to turn off the iPhone at times, to turn off the TV, the music, and just learn, sit, nothing else, but just learn to sit and live in silence for another few minutes. Nothing scares people more than silence. They need to fill the void, what they think is a void, with all this distraction. I feel like we've been engineered to be like that, though. What? I said I feel like we've been engineered to be oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think so, too. So this this is, uh, before you, you go out and, and conquer the world or transform yourself or forget yourself in order to find yourself and do all these things, I talk about my last book, you need to just learn to be silent. So perhaps that might be the solution to the 2012 problem, is that is that uh, one way or the other, simply to learn to be with yourself, All right? Period. So anyway, um, I, I I don't know. As as I say, strange is normal, Marty. So who knows? We'll just we'll all find out together. And uh, as I say, we have our own opinions about coming years, but it isn't necessarily related to this year as such. But we'll see, and we'll talk more about it as we go. Okay, here's an interesting one from Bob in Boston. Oh, Boston narration. Yeah. All right. Uh, hi. I have been following your trip to England on Facebook, and I wonder if you picked up any stories of black dogs. I agree with you that uh, these places, like Renders from Forest, are flap areas. Well, that's a good short one, Bob. Thank you. Yeah, we um, made it a point when we were in England to treat it as a flat area. And I mean the whole country, but I mean in particular Rendlesham Forest. And those of you who listen to the show for a length of time know that we have done uh, more than our duty to that subject. We have been on the air for over 30 hours. And that they're all the podcasts are all available free at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, we talked to all sorts of witnesses uh, who were there, high-ranking officers, low-ranking people, uh, civilians who knew about it. We had people on the show who had previously refused to appear together. We had the first apology by an official or former official of the British government for uh, messing around with all the uh, witnesses. And so we had some firsts, and it was we, we, we hope that we brought it all together. So we had many friends over there from these shows, and we were looking forward to going uh, and speaking at a hotel in that area. And in the meantime, our listeners there, and Larry Warren, uh, one of the uh, prime witnesses to this situation in 1980 when the UFOs were landing and taking off and interacting supposedly with people at the bases, their air bases in this forest, the uh, we had a wonderful uh, experience there. However, in the, in the process, we did deliberately seek out information about what other events have occurred in this in this vicinity, what um, what other seemingly unrelated paranormal events occur because we believe none of these things takes place in isolation. 
the the big dramatic event was December 1980 with the UFOs, but there are hundreds of other uh, reports in the area of other paranormal events. And when we uh, we are going to take a break soon, but I will. Oh, actually, I'll just start naming the list. All within 20 miles of this area, the Green Children of Woolpit incident occurred in the 12th century, and these were two children who came out of the cave, had supposedly had green skin, couldn't speak English, and once they learned to do so, said that they came from a, an underground land and that they had uh, gotten lost and ended up on the top of the ground. <laughs> I mean, who knows? But again, always possible in the multiverse. So anyway, we'll continue with this as we when we get back. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio and NewSkyRadio.com. Stay with us. Be back in a minute. New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com, and Psychic Radio, PsychicOnAir.com, powered by CBS Radio, AOL, and Yahoo, is unlike any talk radio station, with a mission to improve the world one listener at a time. This is where you can be the star of your own show. Our listeners are truly unique, truly interactive, and passionate about their world. The Sky and Psychic Radio listeners genuinely care about the environment, social justice, their personal health, and raising people up to live their best life every day. Our motto is New Horizons, No Boundaries. New Age Views, Life Coaching, Psychic Analysis, Alternative Medicine, and Cutting Edge Mind, Body, and Spirit shows can all be found on the Sky and Psychic Radio. Perhaps you have what it takes to join our broadcast family, an open mind, a great idea, and a passion for enriching lives. Check out all the exciting details by clicking the microphone on our homepage at NewSkyRadio.com or give Lisa Rodman a call at 248-546-9600 to learn just how affordable it can be to host a show. I saw a man brought to life He was warm, he came around Like he was dignified He showed me what it was to cry Well, you couldn't be that man I adore You don't seem to know, seem to care What your heart is for Well, I don't know him anymore
CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And we are discussing. Uh, dis- discussing, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> yes, this is quite disgusting. No, the uh, different uh, events that have occurred in the Rendlesham area over. Well, centuries, it seems like. Yes, exactly. In response to Bob uh, Bob from Boston, his question on black dogs. <clears throat> we did run into black dog stories there, Bob. Uh, they are countywide in the county of Suffolk where this is located. Uh, dogs with red eyes. There's a story about a cat with red eyes as well. People will encounter them on dark roads at night, of course, and particularly in certain wooded areas, Randlesham included. Now, uh, also, there was uh, with it, th- that was of course countywide within 13 miles of Rendlesham Forest. There was the uh, reported sky battle that occurred not during World War II, although there were a bunch of them. It was in 1642 in Aldeburgh. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. They correct. They told us how to pronounce it when we were there, but I can't remember. Only 13 miles away from Rendlesham Forest, people actually saw for a brief period craft in the sky, seemingly fighting one another. Now, one wonders. Given the nature of time in the multiverse, were they, because of the conditions, looking ahead to World War II when most of the major air ba- Allied air bases in England were in that vicinity in eastern England, and there were constantly um, activity of bombers and fighters uh, taking out the B- Battle of Britain. Some of it was fought there. The airfields were bombed, this sort of thing. So who knows? There was also a flying disc seen in 1916, also 13 miles away from Rendlesham Forest with supposedly a group of what were described as sailors standing on it looking down. Now, we're not, now, I think one of our contentions with the multiverse theory here is that this is not necessarily, these are not necessarily alien craft from other planets. They could be craft from other times, uh, even from the same times when things are in, from worlds that, where things are quite different and the technology is quite different. Uh, there, was, uh, there were numerous big, big cat sightings as well as uh, the small you know, red-eyed cat sort of thing, black cat thing, in the Sudbury area, and in, in as recently as 1996, that's only 25 miles from that area, and in Rendlesham Forest itself, of course, UFOs, orbs, ghosts, time slips, poltergeist activity, black dogs, etc., that's all ongoing, the stories go back to Saxon times, uh, Ben himself had an interesting shamanic experience there, which I'm, we're still analyzing the tape of that, We uh, uh, the digital recording, I should say, uh, that's something we might report on in the future. So anyway, that's a big yes to your question, Bob. We ran into black dogs and just about everything else. So here's one from Cindy J. in Detroit, a very short one. Hi, Paul and Ben. Where do the men in black come from? Wow, that was really short. Yeah. Well, it says on the form, please keep it short. (laughs) Well, it's a short question, but I don't know if you can have a short answer. No one really knows 
what, what do you think about that? I mean, the characteristics of these guys is really... Uh, I have my theories, but I'd not care to get in, delve into them on the air. It's just, I don't know, it's All right. just weird. Some talk show, huh? Well, no, okay. it's not that. It's just, I don't know, I, I'm not very confident in my theories. Well, nobody knows really anything about this. I always go back to John Keel's book in his report, in the Mothman prophecies, and his reports uh, of his research into the the Mothman incidents of the 1960s in West Virginia, and the Men in Black stories that resulted from that. When people would have these Mothman experiences, they sometimes reported, according to Keel, that people. Not necessarily men in black. Sometimes they'd be in Air Force uniforms, would come to their doors, claim to be from the Air Force or some other government agency, uh, but but they they wouldn't always get it right. They they had a strange look about them. They had uh, sometimes on their uniforms, if they were in uniforms, the insignia were in the wrong places. As something veterans uh, recognized, and it was just everything was odd about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, there there are several reports of people. We've mentioned this before. Who would see ashtrays or, or or ballpoint pens, pick them up and ask if they could keep them, and then leave uh, very happy as if they had some kind of valuable antique or or some kind of odd thing that, that you know. And then just... there are like other occasions where they would just stand on your doorstep and then wait to be invited inside. And when they did, they wouldn't exact. They would ask you to do ask the person to do things, and then they would just sort of do it. They wouldn't really. Um, think about it, they just sort of like, oh, okay, sure, I won't talk about this. And there wasn't necessarily coercion involved, but yeah. it's just it's odd. The whole, just... the whole atmosphere they brought with them was scary. Yeah, yeah, then they usually showed up in threes. And yeah. They wouldn't... Black Cadillacs. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's just weird. Very strange. I remember the story of Mary Heyer, who was... We uh, worked at the newspaper in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and uh, the story of a very short man with a very odd skin, uh, dressed in black, who walked in, black hat, and uh, kept wanting to know where John Keel was, because he was down there personally researching this, and a number of, of other odd questions and strange things, and, and she was she found him really very creepy and, and kind of scary, and he would go out and she'd follow him out, and she wouldn't be able to see where he went and all this sort of thing. So uh, the question is, again, you know, who knows? What's, there's always more to the paranormal. First of all, nothing in the paranormal is what it appears to be. That's the mistake most researchers make, in my opinion. And things, there's always more to it as well. So the Mothman incidents certainly had more to them, and the men in black were part of that. So how about in other cases? Well, there, there really do seem to be agents of some, I suppose, the government or some other group uh, who does uh, who do seem to hunt down witnesses on certain occasions and will appear, but that do appear to be entirely human and they don't seem to be necessarily uh, unfamiliar with our ways or customs. And there you kind of have it. So uh, they do, there do, does seem to be a certain mixture of kinds of, of people who are involved with this, this phenomenon. And no one really knows where they come from or when they come from, but uh, the speculation may range from time travelers to aliens themselves to real government agents or agents of some other um, organization that might be deeper than the government. I often think the government may get blamed and um, probably is responsible, I don't know, I suppose, for many of these cover-ups or whatever. 
but at the same time, maybe just as much in the dark, and there may be somebody else pulling the strings. I mean, not 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 to be conspiracy theorists, but you just you just don't know. It's a very odd and strange kind of world here. And now here is one that I've been uh, rather trying to get to, and um, I, these are just notes. I won't ask Ben to read them. I've had a number of conversations, uh, and I started this on our other show, conversations with people about their multiverse experiences, issues of personal loss, uh, fearing that they are schizophrenic, and wanting to make, uh, and or wanting to make a consciousness shift. We've even had had notes from people who said, "How can I get into a better world? How can I make this shift?" All right, so let, let's try to explain this. A, a, a little more in, in in depth, I suppose. It's not just, and I know that in my book, and I say that it's very, uh, a rather simple illustration of this, and I warn people about that. In my last book, anyway, I have a bunch of circles with a bunch of figures in them that represent different worlds. And they impinge upon one another, like bubbles, as I use the analogy, uh, and, and they will connect in certain places, overlap in certain places, blend in certain areas, and the creatures may see each other or whatever. And all possibilities are there somewhere. But that's not – it goes deeper than that. When we it's – not, it's not that we can just jump to another world. Uh, we can, but that often is not a good idea. What we seem to be – what seems to be the nature of our existence is what I call world families. In other words, we proceed – uh, every nanosecond, really, into another world, uh, another parallel world. But it is, it is, in most cases, because our consciousness keeps it this way, and our, and our, our mass human consciousness and the mass bio-consciousness keeps it this way, the world that we proceed into and that we're aware of from moment to moment is virtually identical. Now, some have pointed, in other words, when you go to sleep in a greenhouse with a red car tonight, you're almost certainly going to wake up in a greenhouse with a red car tomorrow morning. But that, and Ben may uh, add to this, that has, for some people, it seems to be breaking down. And again, we pointed out the odd nature of what's going on electromagnetically in the galactic neighborhood. The Earth seems to be passing through a lot of energy right now, and there seems to be a lot of strange, there do seem to be a lot of strange things going on that may have to do with displacements in space and time and the disruption of world families as we proceed along the logical route that our consciousness makes for us through all the, 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 the closest parallel worlds. Uh, we may choose to go through a door in one building and there's another stream it's through a door in another building. There's, there's another one. That's essentially how it works, but it's all very logical. That does seem to be breaking down. People are driving by houses that were green one day, and all of a sudden they're blue or red. And the guy who owns the house says, well, it's always been that way. You know, it's, people are getting confused. So we'll continue this uh, as, we, as we continue uh, into the last section of our show uh, discussing this. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio and NewSkyRadio.com. We'll be right back after the break. Stay with us. 
Mondays are motivational. It all begins with you. And that's where the movement within featuring life coach April Claxton comes in. Join April and her uplifting guests Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Featured on Animal Planet, Court TV, Unsolved Mysteries, and The Hauntings, Psychic Barbara Mackey. Barbara is a sixth-generation psychic medium, animal psychic, and spirit communicator. Tune into Visions with Barbara Mackey at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. There are four corners, and Will and Nancy will take you there at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Existence is what we live for. Adventure is our journey. Metaphysical topics, inspiring and educational guest speakers, psychic readings, and more. Artie's the Party with Angels and Answers, Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Psychic readings and more. Join the fun. What goes bump in the night? Heidi knows. At 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Heidi Hollis's The Outlander will lunge into topics on all things outlandish and more. Call in or write Heidi to vent or get advice about your paranormally inspired curiosities or challenges. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. New Sky Radio. NewSkyRadio.com. New horizons, no boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And welcome back. And we're having a, a conversation as much as we can about a number of communications we've received from people and even I've even had a few phone calls from people who are concerned about what seems to be the breakdown of time and space in their daily lives. And some of them blame us for introducing them to the idea of the multiverse and various worlds and possibilities all converging and all this sort of thing. We try. We do. And we don't mean to upset people and people are beginning to notice this. Now, along with the, the disruption in world families in the sense of, you know, put your car keys down on the table, you turn around and they're gone. That, that kind of thing has happened to me all month. Yeah, yeah. Right at the, you know, and, you know, right at my desk, you know, I put something down and I turn around and it's gone. It's, it, it drives me crazy. You know, people like things to stay, to stay where they put them, you know, and so we get rather annoyed. But beyond that, there are a number of people who are concerned that they're losing their minds, that they're, get, they're becoming schizophrenics. Uh, hearing things, seeing things. Uh, others want to are not having a good time right now and want to just find out how to shift into new kinds of lives in different worlds, such as I have described in some of my experiences with uh, unexpected experiences in, in, uh, in uh, my paranormal Wait cases at Hold certain on times. one second there. All right. Before we go any further, let's deal with this one at a time. And we may have to break this up between shows. So... You want to shift into a different dimension or whatever. How do you know what you're switching into is good? That's the How problem. How do you know that it's bad? Well, there's the, there's this trend in, uh, I think it comes from spiritualism, that everything is really, really happy no matter where you go. Or it's, like, really, really depressing. But that's not from spiritualism. That's, that's some, like, idiots on TV who are like, yeah, dead people. And it's like... <laughs> That sort of thing, and it's like, yeah, we wear we wear the Jolly Roger on our team hoodies and things like that, and it's like it's not it's a mixture of both. I mean, you can't really have super happy without super dark and depressing right next to it. Well, this is the problem with the light. We often have photographs of the light, as which we believe are the world boundaries here in, in areas where paranormal activity are occurring. In other words, worlds are blending, and different laws of physics are taking place, and different. Life forms are interacting and this sort of thing. You just don't know what's on that, that quote, other side because there are billions of other sides. And I think probably the best thing to do is, again, developing one's spirituality in, however, in whatever way you want to describe that, certainly by meditation. And I often use the term, and I don't often use the term actually because I don't, it's, it's fraught with peril to talk about it, but building your own afterlife now, afterlife is a term I don't like because there is no afterlife. There's just life. And you're living all sorts of lives simultaneously. Everything is simultaneous. There is no past, no future, according to our interpretation and our experience of the paranormal. So as a result, you really are already living a wonderful life. Some Pardon the – I don't mean to refer to the movie – but you're already living a very positive and the kind of life you want to live somewhere or someone else already. Now, the thing is that's balanced out by the idea that you're also sharing in the lives of those who are suffering and this sort of thing. And it's all very real. So it's a matter of steering yourself spiritually in the right direction. When I say spiritually, I mean that's your awareness, your awareness of reality. And reality is not what you get 
when you get up out of bed every day and you look around and you go to work. That's not reality. That very often is an escape from reality. So I would say think about that, and we'll talk more about it. There are also people who have written to us in the same vein, only they are, they're okay with their own lives more or less, but they miss someone who has experienced bodily death in this reality, and they want them back. Uh, I often tell the story of the two shamans I encountered in two different sides of the of the world who had known in their youth other shamans who had brought people back from the dead literally by going into parallel worlds and grabbing them by the arm and pulling them back into ours. That must have been a neat trick. But in both cases, it was a disaster. There are things that ha- things happen for a reason. Remember, you have lost no one. You, it's not that they're still with you, but you're with them in many, many parallel worlds where they never died. And there are places that where, where we, we are far more comfortable than we are here. I often wonder if we're even indigenous to this planet, for Pete's sake. We're so out of place here. So th- th- these are just things to consider. It's not what you're experiencing. It's, it's your, your attitude and your point of view on it. That can really change everything. And as I say, I always suggest that people... Uh, start to um, uh, meditate and get their their spiritual arms around some of these concepts because they're not all that difficult. You will recognize them uh, from uh, wherever, and they will help, I think, very much. So stop worrying about all these things. You're not going crazy. It's happening to many, many people. It will happen to more as time goes by. And it's it's just a natural part of the transition, I think, into... Something different. I don't know what. Uh, and I'm not talking again about 2012. I'm talking about the next few years. I think all of us are kind of learning, and we're kind of in school, and uh, I think we're all going to get kind of a big surprise, hopefully a happy one. But it's really up to all of us to steer this. So we'll, we're kind of out of time here, so we'll talk more about that as we go. So, so for some announcements, my dad and I will be uh, featured speakers at the All Hallows' Eve Psychic Fair at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island, next Sunday, October 28th. Uh, tickets go, are to get into the fair are six dollars in advance, eight at the door. Our event is an additional ten dollars. And there's more information on this event at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And there's a link there to the actual site of the event where you can find out more. Uh, also, check out my own books uh, on this subject and others at Barnes and Noble Nook and Kindle from Amazon.com. All right. So many thanks to our producer Brandon Jackson, and we will see you right here next week, October twenty eighth. When my dad and I will welcome back our good friends, UFO experts Stanton Freeman and Kathleen Martin, for a discussion about the many times that mainstream science has been wrong, especially about the paranormal. I'm looking forward to that discussion. Yes. In the meantime, on our Boston Providence Drive Time show on WOON 1240 AM and com at 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. And don't forget free podcasts of all our shows. We have nearly 400 of them at www.behindtheparanormal.com. Yeah, also find out a lot about that. Uh, former guests, past guests, I should say past guests, future guests, pre- current guests, and all this sort of thing at BehindTheParanormal.com. And we leave you this evening with a thought from His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama, who was in Providence this past week, and we didn't Which get a chance to see him. Well, the thing is, it was for Brown students only, and I had a chance to go, but my friend didn't get guest passes. Oh, dear. Anyway. Well, we should have pulled press rank. Anyway, quote, there is a saying in Tibetan, Tragedy should be used as a source of strength, no matter what sort of difficulties, how painful the experience is, if we lose our hope, that's the real disaster, unquote. 
Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time.